Father, in Jesus' name, we pray, committing this today's meeting into your hands, Lord, that you speak to us, O oh God, in a special way, that your word that is anointed will have its way now in our lives. Father, I commit myself into your hands. I pray, Lord, that you guide my thoughts, give me utterance. I commit every heart to your hands, O oh God, that you prepare the heart to be good soils for your word. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. And today I'm talking about the believer's debt of love. The believer's debt of love. You know, there are people who have certain debt that they have decided they are never going to pay. So, so far as those debts are concerned, their plan is that till debt do them apart, they are not going to finish paying it. And then today I'm not talking about that kind, that kind of debt, but then as believers, as children of God, the debt we are supposed to own people is the debt of love. It's the debt that we keep paying, but yet we keep owing because that is the call or that is what we are called to do. So the believer's debt of love. And our anchor scripture is coming from Romans chapter 13, verse 8 to 10. The Bible says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandment, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, all are summed up in this saying, namely, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Paul, writing to the believers, is telling them that you should not owe anybody. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 37 verse 21, the Bible says, The wicked borrows and does not pay. And so, if you borrow somebody's money, if you borrow somebody's thing and you don't pay back, the Bible says you are wicked. This one, I'm not the one saying it. It's not my own idea. It's not my own conclusion. But it's Psalm 37 verse 21. The Bible says that it's only the wicked person who borrows and does not repay. It means that if you borrow something and you have the ability to pay, to repay that thing back, and you decide not to pay, the Bible says you are wicked. This is not me saying it. And so, at every point in time, if you have borrowed anything from anyone or from any institution, and you have the ability to repay, God expects that you repay. So, in Psalm 37, verse 21, the Bible says, It's only the wicked who borrows and does not pay. However, Paul says to the believers, All no one nothing except to love them. So as a believer, you must not owe anybody anything at all. The only debt that you have to pay, the only thing that you can owe people is love. So every person that you see, every individual that you see, everyone around you, you owe them a debt and that debt is to love them. So the Bible says that we are not supposed to owe anyone anything but then to love the person or to love people. 
And then he moves on further in verse 9 to say that for the commandment, you shall not commit murder. Sorry, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not commit murder. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. These are all things or, or sins that you commit against another person. You shall not commit adultery. It's against another person. You shall not commit murder. It's against another person. You shall not steal. It's against another person. You shall not bear false witness. It's against another person. You shall not covet. It's against another person. And he says that if there are any other commandments, mean any other thing that you can do against another person, they are all summed up in these things. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. It means that if you love your neighbor as yourself, you will not steal, you will not commit murder, you will not bear false witness, you will not covet what belongs to that person. And he says all those laws are summed up in one thing, and that is to love your neighbor as yourself. And he goes on further to say, love does no harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. It means that if you love a person, you fulfill the whole law. The whole requirement of the law has its foundation in love. And therefore, if you love another person, you fulfill the whole law. So the Bible says that as believers, we have a debt to pay. And that debt that we have to pay to people around us, to people that we encounter, to people who come across our life, is the debt of love and hence this morning we want to talk about the believers debt of love loving one another is a debt that we should always be paying and yet we will always be owing so as you continue to show love to people you are paying that debt of love however you still keep owing the debt of love until christ comes so until we meet jesus christ until we check out of this world, there is a debt that we have to continue to pay. And that debt is not a financial debt. That debt is not something physical or material that we have borrowed from people that we we have to give back to them. But it is the debt to love. And so as you walk about, know that you are a debtor. Not a debtor to anybody. Or not a debtor who owes anybody anything. But then a debtor who owes people love. And so you meet people and you think that they are not worthy of your love. However, as a believer in Christ, the, the faith, I mean, taking upon you the faith as, as a Christian and as a believer in Christ makes you a debtor to those people. So love is a debt. And the royal law and the in, because of the royal law and the interest of mankind makes it so. And the royal law and the interest of mankind make it so. What I was trying to say here is that in, 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 in James chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, and then he explains to us what the royal law is. He says the royal law is you shall love your neighbor as yourself. That is the royal law. According to the Bible, the royal law is you shall love your neighbor according to um you shall love your neighbor as you love yourself. And according to the book of Galatians, it calls it the law of Christ, which also means you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So the royal law and the law of Christ is that you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Because of the requirement of the the um the royal law, we 
are supposed to continue to love people because of the requirement of the royal law. It makes us debtors to people to love them. And so necessity has been placed on you. A burden, a requirement has been placed on you as a follower of Christ to love people. You are a debtor to people. So everyone you owe everyone around you love, but nothing else. And that's why the Bible encourages us that owe no one anything except to love them. For the Bible says again in James, you do well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin. And if you are convicted by the law as a transgressor, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is guilty, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, adultery, but you murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. The law of liberty is a requirement to love your neighbor as yourself. Again, the interest of mankind makes it necessary that we love our neighbors as ourselves because without love we will not be able to live with people on this earth so this morning the bible encourages all of us that we should owe no one anything we should not be indebted to anyone if you are indebted to any institution or anyone it should be your desire to repay especially when you come to the position that you are able to repay for the bible has said it's only the wicked that borrows and does not pay. And I believe that anyone listening to me now is not a wicked person. And hence, as you have borrowed, you are going to repay. However, the Bible says that what you owe, what you are permitted to owe and to continue to pay and still be in debt and continue to owe is love. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 to 11, the Bible says, Beloved, let us love one another for Love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this, the love of God was manifested towards us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but he loved us and sent his son to be a propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. <clears throat> so here, John again is saying that let us love one another for God is love. It means God is the author of love. God is the commander of love. It does not just say God is loving, but it says that God in his own nature is love. And therefore, if we are offsprings of God, if all of us are saying that we come from God, then we must have the kind of love that God has because God is love by himself. The Bible tells us that we are not born of corruptible seeds, but we are born of incorruptible seed through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So when you read other versions, it makes this scripture clearer that you are not born of the seed of a man. So you are not born of a seed that comes from a man, but you are born of the seed that comes from God. 
Because anyone who is born of the seed that comes from a man, the person grows in the form and in the nature of a man. It becomes a man. When you give birth to a baby, the baby looks like the father, looks like the mother, because that is the seed of the man that gave birth to the baby. And the Bible says we are born of the seed of God, which is the word of God. And so if we are born of the seed of God, we ought to grow up into the nature and the image of God. And the Bible says God is love. Therefore, if we are born of the seed of God, then we have to grow up in that nature of love and look like God in all things. So God is not just loving, but in essence, God is love. And therefore, we are supposed to love other people. If we are born of God, we possess that nature. That is the nature of God. The nature of his offspring. And so, if we are the offsprings of God, we ought to have the same nature. And that is love. Everyone who professes to have knowledge of God must be loving. In 1 John verse um, chapter 4, verse Eight, he says, "Who, he who does not love does not know God. So if you do not love people, you do not have the knowledge of God. You do not know God. If you want to test how somebody, if somebody really have knowledge in the word of God, then it is their love. The Bible says, if you do not love, you do not know God. So it's not just a matter of quoting scriptures. Quoting scriptures is not a demonstration of your knowledge of God. But your love is your ultimate demonstration. Love is the acid test of your knowledge of God. The Bible says, He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. And in this love, in this the love of God is manifested. Two points, two very important points that this text Make this text that we just read makes is that God is the author of love. Love comes from God. And if we are the offsprings of God, we also have to love. The scripture also makes it clear that anyone who possesses the knowledge of God will love. I know that you have heard the word of God over and over again. And because you have heard the word of God over and over again, there is a requirement, there is a necessity laid upon you to love other people. Because the Bible says this is the only way that you can demonstrate that you know God. The only way that a person can demonstrate that they know God is not so that it's not because they went to church. It's not because they pray. It's not because they give their offering. But it's because they love. So the Bible says by this. Verse 8. He who does this. He who does not love. Does not know God. For God is love. So if you want to see a person who knows God. You can test it by the love that the person possesses. Or by the love that the person demonstrates. And he who does not love. Does not know God. And he says this is how the love of God is manifested that God sent his only begotten son into the world that we might through that we might live through him so God first of all showed us his love he demonstrated his love to us by sending his only son into the world 
That is how we know that God loves us. That is how we know that God loves the world. And that is how we know that God is love. Because God is love, and in his nature, he has to love us. He demonstrated that love first by sending his son, his only son, to die for us. So God sent his son to be a demonstration of his love. And all of us testify by the death of Jesus Christ that God loves us. And hence, it, it puts a burden on us as well to demonstrate our love. In Romans chapter 5, verse 6 to 9, the Bible says that for if, I'm sorry, for when we, are, we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. So we were at a point where we could do nothing against sin. We were at a point where we had no cure. We had no medicine. We had no remedy for sin. And in that time when we were helpless, when we were without strength, the Bible says Christ died for us. And so now that Christ has died for us, I want you to know that if you are a child of God, you are not helpless against sin. When it comes to the issue of sin, you have control over your life. So the Bible says, in the past, when we were without strength, Christ died for us. But now that Christ has died for us, we have gained strength. Verse 7, let me move on on this text. Verse 7 says, For scarcely for a righteous man would one die. It means that, for a, like the example I gave the other time, somebody has been accused of a crime. You know the person is innocent. However, the person has been sentenced, taken to court and sentenced. You know that the person is innocent. All you would do, or you might say, is that it's so bad that this person has been sentenced. You might demonstrate, you might, you might, um, uh, you might voice out the fact that you believe the person is innocent. However, you would not offer to take the person's place. That, okay, I know this person is innocent. And so, even though this person is innocent and they have been sentenced to 10 years in prison, because I believe and know that this person is innocent, I want to serve the 10 years for the person so that they will walk free. So, even though you believe the person is righteous, you will still not serve the person's punishment for them. You might demonstrate, you might voice out, you might, you might talk and even appeal, but you will not offer to replace the person in prison. And so here, the Bible says, for a righteous man will one die. Yet for a good man, someone will even dare to die. So it says, for, for scarcely will a righteous man will one die. So if for a righteous man, if you know the righteous man has been, has been made guilty, scarcely would you say you want to take the person's place. Yet perhaps for a good man, somebody would there. But the Bible says, but God demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The same example that I gave earlier, if somebody else has been sentenced to 10 years in prison and you know that the person committed the crime, at that point, you will not even think about appealing or even replacing the person or doing anything to help the person. Because you know the person is guilty. However, God knew that we were guilty. Verse 8 says, But God demonstrated his love towards us. 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So we were still sinners. We were guilty and God knew that we were guilty. He knew that we had the nature of Adam and we're all condemned and we're all guilty. But the Bible says, yet still, Christ died for us. And this is the demonstration of God's love. So whenever we say God is love, the greatest demonstration of God's love is that he made Christ come here on earth to die for us, even when he knew that we were guilty. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, his blood we shall be saved from wrath. And so this is how God demonstrated his love for us by allowing Christ to die for us. Jesus Christ, when he was leaving, gave an instruction to his disciples. He said, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So Jesus Christ is saying the only way people will know that we are his disciples, we are his disciples, it's not just that we go to church, it's not just that we quote scriptures. He says the only way people will know that we are his disciples is when we love one another. So if you want to identify, if you want to find out if somebody's a follower of Jesus Christ or a disciple of Jesus Christ, Jesus gave us the criteria. He said the criteria is that we love one another. That is the only way the world will know that we are his followers. If we love one another. It means that love cannot be found in the world. Love cannot, love cannot be found out of Christ. Genuine love can only be found in people who believe Jesus Christ. And that is why he says that is the identity of believers. That is the only way you can find somebody who is a disciple of Christ. Is by the love that they have for another person. So Jesus replaced all the commandments with the commandment to love. All the commandments that were in the Old Testament, he replaced them and gave us a simple commandment. And that commandment is that we will love one another. That we will love the Lord our God. He instructs us that we should love our neighbors just as he has loved us. And so the question is, how did Christ love us? He says, just us, the, the same manner, this, in the same manner which he loved us, in the same way which he demonstrated his love for us, that is the exact way we are supposed to love our, neighbor, our neighbors. Christ demonstrated his love for us by laying down his life. And he said, we should love our neighbors in the same manner. Why will people identify us as the followers of Christ when we love one another? It's because the world cannot offer the love that we offer. No matter what they show in the movies or what they say or profess, we know that the love of this world is corrupted. The only genuine love is in God because God is love. Anything that is not in God cannot have that nature. Anything outside of God cannot have that nature of love. 
If you are going to have that nature of love, the love that looks like the love that God demonstrates, then you must be born again. So love should be the identity of believers. People are able to tell that you are a believer by the love that you demonstrate. In Hebrews chapter 13 verse 1, the Bible says, Let brotherly love continue. It means we should love one another. Agape love. And do not forget to entertain strangers. There are people, there are certain classes of people that it's very difficult to love them. And one of such classes of people is a stranger. Because you will not see any need to love a stranger. You have no burden to love a stranger. However, the Bible says, do not, when the Bible is talking about brotherly love, the next thing it spoke about is do not forget to entertain strangers. For by so doing, some people unknowingly entertained angels. So strangers are part of the class of people that is very difficult to love. Because you don't know the person. You have never met the person. So you have no reason why you are supposed to love them. But the Bible says that you should love the stranger. The next thing the Bible mentioned is remember the prisoners. When somebody is in prison, everyone would say that they are guilty of their sin. And that is why they are in prison. They are guilty of whatever they have done. They have committed a crime. And so they are in prison. So it's easy to forget them. And so when you pay attention to what the scripture is telling us, it means that the people to which it is difficult for you to love, that those are the people that the Bible wants you to love. For instance, a person who is poor, a person who is homeless, who cannot give you anything in return when you love them. They cannot pay you back for the things and kindness you are going to show them. It is easy to love somebody who you already know. Or it's easy to love somebody who you know that in the future they can you will also be in need and the people those people are going to help you. But the Bible says that we should love the stranger, we should love the prisoner, we should love those who are in need. These are people who might never have the opportunity to pay us back for the things that we do for them. Yet the Bible says that these are the people we are supposed to love. And so the people to which it appears as if it is so difficult to love them. You will not see any reason why you're supposed to love them. The Bible expects that you love such people. In James chapter 1 verse 27, the Bible says, Pure and undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble. Whenever the Bible talks about orphans and widows, in those days they were, they were the most I mean, they were the most vulnerable people and they are the, the, the people who are in the most need in that community, in that environment. Because those days, the, the women relied solely on their husbands to provide for them. And if a man dies and does not have a son, his estate is given to his brother. So if his brother does not... Um, offer to marry the woman then the woman becomes a widow because in that culture in the jewish culture when a man dies his brother marries his wife and so if the brother inherits the estate but yet 
does not offer to marry the woman, then the woman becomes a widow, which means the woman has no source of income, has no source of, of living. So widows and orphans were very poor people. And the Bible says that true religion before God is to visit the widow and to visit the orphan. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 to 19, the Bible says, For this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that, we, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened in might through his Spirit in the inner man, that, we may dwell, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love. The Bible expects that we'll be rooted and we'll be grounded in love. And when we are rooted and grounded in love, we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the height to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding. If we be able to know the love of Christ, which surpasses all understanding, then we have to be rooted in the love of God. Once we are rooted in the love of God, we'll be able to know the love of Christ. The only way we can really understand the love of Christ is if we take root in love. And the Bible says the love of Christ is so high, is so deep and so wide. And it surpasses understanding. The only way we can understand it is if we are rooted in love. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 says, For brethren, having been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So the Bible is filled with the commandment of love. Verse 14 says, For all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And so as believers, going back to our anchor scripture, the only debt we have is that we continue to love people. The Bible says we should owe no one anything. The only debt we have, we have to pay, the only debt we have to owe is the debt of love. Shall we pray? Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this morning, for the opportunity to have fellowship. We pray in Jesus' mighty name that you share the love, Holy Spirit, you share the love of God in our heart, that we'll be able to walk in obedience to this commandment. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Shall we have the communion? The Bible says that 